The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. God's up, giddy up, welcome to Fair to Stop. This is the last call episode every Wednesday, live to our YouTube members. That goes out to everybody else on audio on Thursdays. Oftentimes, our pay members get to uh, join us earlier in the uh, earlier in the uh, the post to to hang out and talk to us. But uh, today was too much research to be done, and therefore I didn't get to hang out with our paid members. If you'd like to be a paid member on the YouTube or the Patreon account, it's very easy. Head over to Patreon.com. Uh, forward slash Wolfpack and uh, you are uh, failure to, uh, forward slash failure to stop and you can become a paid member. Just did an incredible interview with a guy um, who wrote an amazing book called Outside the Wire. It was a fantastic episode. Uh, got a lot more episodes coming up. Uh, there's just so many episodes on our Patreon. If you like extra content, this is the number one show where police meet society and culture. Today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, today's episode, listen, we do five different styles of shows a week. All geared to keeping first responders uh, alert and alive. Uh, we start off every Monday with a little comedy because everybody hates Mondays. So we have Jay Darrell White, a uh, former police officer, now comedian, who breaks down police-related news for us. We have True Crime Tuesdays to keep you awake on night shift with the beautiful and audacious Andrea Uplate. Uh, today's show is, uh, comes out on Wednesdays, Thursday nights. We have Com Center with all the horrific 911 audio broken down by dispatchers, uh, just dispatcher Jonathan Bates, Andrew Breezy. And then we have the Failure Stop Breakdowns where we have 29-year uh, police detective uh, retiree Drew Breezy breaking down cases with myself. And uh, so we have a little bit of something for everybody. If you don't like one particular show, if you don't like comedy, then don't listen on Mondays. If you don't want to know what's going on in the world, don't listen on Thursdays. If you hate true crime, don't listen on Tuesday nights. Uh, we have a little bit of something for everyone. Uh, we're probably one of the first real podcast channels where we have a different show for a different different demographic, same demographic, first responders, but different uh, styles every week. Uh, you can follow us on audio and, of course, YouTube. Today, though, giving you something else to talk about other than dead babies and domestic violence, we have our last call show, which literally gives you information to talk about over the weekend because we know that first responders don't watch the news. They don't watch mainstream media. I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to watch mainstream media either. It's all You have no idea what's real and what's not. But knowing is half the battle, says G.I. Joe, and that's what this show is for, is so that you know a little bit of something so that when it comes up in conversation, you don't have to revert back to one time when I was in police officer camp, back when I was in the Marines, back when I was in the Army. You know, you have something else that you can relate to civilian life. You, know, you can turn it off if you want to. Today we're talking about a fire of lies. Lies about the Canadian fire that you just need to know. This Canadian fire thing has gotten way out of control. Conspiracy theories, uh, tactics used by the government to convince you of climate change, which, listen, guys, those are all conspiracy theories. Whether you're right wing or left wing, you're all kind of guilty of it. By the way, conspiracy theories was a, whole, was a term given by the rights to the left. Now with the, the tides have changed, the left calls the right conspiracy theorists. Well, it's all conspiracies. I don't think the right or the left is right when it comes to the fires. And we're going to go over that. Also, there's a lot of conspiracy around a plane crash that some headlines call a Trump donor. 
died in a plane crash. That's not true. This wasn't a major Trump donor that died in the plane crash. It was his adopted daughter who he adopted at 40 years old. When you talk it like that, it's almost not as exciting and sensationalizing headline. Um, and maybe that's why Maybe that's why we're only uh, like probably a blue collar podcast network. That's all why we make maybe thousands of dollars and not tens of thousands of dollars because we're not sensational. We don't sensationalize the news. We kind of just give it to you and it's bare bones. Same way with true crime. Uh, we do all the research and, and sometimes the facts just aren't as sensational as you want them to be. But in this case, these are some pretty bold lies being told uh, by everyone. It seems like nobody wants to tell the real story about fires. This is a firefighter's wet dream, by the way. Today's episode goes out to Jake for One More and I'm Out of Here podcast dedicated to you. Uh, this is the kind of shit that keeps you up at night. It keeps you hard while sleeping on that ghost bed. This is the story that gets you fired up while staying cool on a ghost bed. By the way, ghost bed is offering... 35% off across the board right now at ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. But don't you worry because that 4th of July sales right around the corner and they always go big because they're a company of beds that are made in the good old USA and they take 4th of July very seriously. And they come out with some banging 4th of July sales every single year. So get ready. Uh, listen, if you got PTSD over fireworks, sucks to be you. I've got 99 problems, but a firecracker ain't one. Um, I like the sound of freedom, but if you don't, get yourself a ghost bed and a ghost bed pillow. Bury your little ears, your little soft, sensitive ears down into those pillows and just go to sleep. Sleep that night away instead of getting on Facebook and uh, trying to ruin everybody else's good time. Misery loves company, and it, every year, 4th of July, oh, the booms and the vibrations, they keep me awake. What's well, sad? Don't ruin it for the rest of it. Suck it up, buttercup. I get blisters when I do ruck marches, but they don't stop doing ruck marches just because Eric Tanzi gets blisters. The road marches continue. The beatings continue until morale improves. Uh, so get yourself a ghost bed. Sleep it off. Maybe you'll be in a little bit of a better mood, and um, you won't let your mental health affect the rest of us. I always say that mental health, mental wellness starts with a good night's sleep. And that's why I'm a big advocate and a big promoter of ghost bed, because I think everybody's mental well-being will be just a little bit better. I think that PTSD will kind of subside a little bit once you get a good night's sleep. Instead of going after all these prescription pills and sleep tests, why don't you try to get yourself a damn good bed and get a sleep so good that it's freaking scary? ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack uh by the way they're huge supporters of veterans and law enforcement officers and uh they understand the importance that it is to get us good night's sleep and that's why they support shows like us and give those massive discounts to people who follow shows like this because they know they know they know how important it is to get a good night's sleep i don't go anywhere without my ghost bed pillow also today's show brought to you by manscaped dot com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, tax season just ended. I know you guys are getting those tax refunds. Invest it back into yourself. Trim the bush so it doesn't go ablaze. You know, in some of these forest fires, you know, all we got to do is cut back the dead brush, the dead bush, trim the bush back a little bit. Shit won't catch on fire down there. You clean it up a little bit. That way you don't have to burn it down. You know what I'm saying? Go to manscaped.com forward slash Wolfpack. Get 20% off plus free shipping right now. Uh, clean those underbushes, fellas and ladies. I don't know about you. When I'm real, really in the mood, bush doesn't bother me. But I think my wife knows that I can be in the mood 
all the time. Um, if she's got a, if the, if the bush has been cut back a little bit, you know what I'm saying? She gets a little bit more extra. She gets a little bit more extra attention. If it's not so, if the woods aren't so thick, you know what I'm saying? If there's a trail that's been blazed, I'll follow the trail to the promised land. But if there ain't a trail, there ain't a trail. I might get lost, Josh. I might get lost. Speaking of get lost, I'm lost in your mustache right now. How are you doing today? Oh, it's another beautiful day in paradise. Uh, we are steamrolling closer to the existence of this country not being non-existent faster than you and I can come up with it between all the stuff that's going on with the Bidens, all the stuff that's going on with Trump, all the stuff that's going on with Ukraine. So it's, it's I would say it's been a nice break to, to research something that doesn't seem so doom and gloom, but it was kind of a nice break to research something that wasn't like completely a hundred percent big conspiracy. Right. You, but you the, thought it might be a conspiracy because the headlines yep. had you thinking, Oh great. Trump's being indicted the same week that a big Trump donor goes down in an airplane. Whoa. Conspiracy theory. Um, and then you really dive into it and maybe just maybe we'll find out here shortly that, uh, uh, this one might not be a conspiracy. Not everything is a conspiracy. I don't discount conspiracies. You know what I mean? Some of them are true, but some of them are not true. And you've got to be able to critically think your way through it so that you're not going crazy. Uh, but I want to start off real quick with this fire of lies. This is a Canadian fire. And we started researching this a week ago. And it just got weirder and weirder. And I gave it some time to let things die down because I know that when a fire happens, it takes some time to figure out what the cause of the fire was. They got to wait for the, you know, it takes months to figure out who started that big Canadian fire. Um, you know, and I remember that there was thoughts that maybe a railroad that, a that a spark from the train started the fire. And then it was a cigarette butt from the, from a truck that may have started. And then it was lightning. And then it was a power line. And then it ended up being a camper. Uh, that, that led a fire when they weren't supposed to, and they brought charges on that person as well. So, you know, it took probably all of the summer to come up with that conclusion. So I didn't really want to jump into the Canadian fire thing early because it's just too early to jump into it. But damned if everybody else didn't. If old Trudeau, you know what they say, don't make any, don't let any good tragedy go to waste. Is that what they say? Um, Something like that. And they've been jumping on it more so than recently. We've really seen... Uh, an uptick, not in fires, but an uptick in, in people just blowing things way out of proportion. And it's really confusing. Uh, it's a really confusing time to be alive. It's a confusing time to be a child. You don't know what gender you are. You don't know if you're gay. You don't know if you like dicks or vaginas. Um, you don't know if you have gay pride or, you know, if you're just disgusted by the whole thing. Uh, it's just very confusing times. It's like at one point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-gay. I hang out with one of my gay my gay buddies, you know, and I'm like, man, you're a cool guy. And sometimes the gays might get a bad rap. And then I turn on the news and I see them flooding uh, memorials with gay flags instead of American flags and other flags of other nations. And then I'm like, man, fuck, fuck this gay shit. You know, it's getting too much. It's getting too much. It's just confusing times that we live in. And that's because mainstream media wants you to be that way. Mainstream media is the enemy. Not white supremacy, not homophobia, not uh, Catholics, not Christians, you know, but mainstream media is is to blame because I don't know about you, Josh, but when I go out to the bars and the pubs and I hang out in every city 
and every town, I'm in a different city in every different town every weekend. I'm in the hotel rooms almost every other weekend. And it just kind of seems like the, the animosity isn't there in real life. It's only there on the interwebs. No, because it's it the the TVs like the everybody that's these TVs your your stations are coming from New York or Los Angeles. Well, in between New York and Los Angeles is the rest of us. Yeah. So all of the rest of us that aren't living in New York and aren't living in Los Angeles, we don't have to deal with that bullshit. So we don't deal with that bullshit. They have to sensationalize it to try to get you to click on it. There was, not to get way off topic, speaking of sensationalizing things and trying to, to bury a headline, uh, there's a news article out there, you can research it, of Target was suspending things and they had a bunch of bomb threats. And the, the headline was Target was getting bomb threats. Ooh. Well, you, you would think that they're getting bomb threats because of all the, the LGBT stuff right. and they had their, their pride stuff out there. And you'd think that the bomb threats the way that the article was written, the way that the headline was written, you'd think that the bomb threats were coming from people like conservatives or people from the right. They're saying, hey, right. if you don't take this out, we're gonna do whatever. No, actually it wasn't. It oh. was LGBTQ supporters that were mad that they had pulled the stuff to begin with. So they mm. bury this in the news, like the, the, art, the, the facts of the case are there but you want to uh, align things and arrange things to try to present a narrative. It's bullshit. It's it's the news media is no longer news media, and we'll we're, we'll kind of get it as we transitioned into stuff. Last night, after they indicted Trump, CNN and MSNBC decided not to carry any of the speech that Trump gave. Now this oh. is the this is the runner number one runner for the presidential election for the Republican Party right now. He is a former president. He was just indicted. These are historic things that happened in the propaganda news. And I'll say propaganda news because it's propaganda news. They decide not to let you hear his voice. Hmm. They even said that some of the things that he said are, are the, what could incite violence and, and violent rhetoric. Well, okay. What made you, Jake Tapper? What made you, CNN? What made you the the so much smarter than everybody else in the country i don't let cnn make up my mind for what is violent or what is not because on cnn they'll show a fire from a riot and tell you it's a peaceful protest <laughs> right i love the the inciting riots because we've heard several other politicians that have said some things that are pretty damn insightful um and you're absolutely right. I want to go ahead and start today with this uh, fire of lies, though. Uh, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to a time maybe not too long ago in the grand scheme of things. But let me read you a tale. It was pitch black, but there was a yellow glow which seemed to reach to the sky. Balls of fire were falling all around us. The jack pine trees had become ignited and were like big torches by the time we reached the lake, the heat was terrific. Mother had managed to grab a blanket and a horsehide robe from the tent. These father threw in the water and covered three of us with the blanket. Fireballs were falling all around us. Some fell on our blankets and we had to keep them dipped in the water constantly to prevent it from burning over us. We were all badly burned, especially my father. The horsehide, which had thrown, he had thrown over my mother and my little sister, had burned to a crisp on my mother's back. 
Teresa's father died the next day of burns sustained while keeping the blankets wet. The survivors spent two miserable nights without food or shelter before helped arrived. Uh, in all, 11 died. There were 12 survivors. From the worst fire that had ever taken place, one of the top five fires in the history of man in the books, this happened in Alberta, Canada, not last week, not last month, but in May of 1919. Um, the causes of the fire in this article from 1919, Constable Fred Moses recorded that the fire, uh, the ground was drier and the rivers and lakes were lower than they had been in many years. And for his memory, the oldest and the other settlers' memories, very little rain had fallen in northern Saskatchewan until the first week of June. The month of May was a month of extreme heat and high changeable wind. The temperature for days at a time ranged between 70 and 90 degrees. The winds first in one direction and then in another, they almost blew like a hurricane. Near the end of April, a very large number of clearing fires set by settlers were apparently running at will through the district between the settlement and the temperate areas from 19 from May 19th to the 28th. They spread north in almost a solid line into the forest reserves, the fire ranging many districts and given the extreme weather. This is all from an article written back from 1919 labeled the Great Fire of 1919. If we fast forward uh, if we if we fast forward to uh, um, the 1990s, years. a couple hundred years. Yeah. Uh, let's see. When did this fire happen? This is another fire that I read. This was seven years ago. Um, a perfect storm of fire. The conditions that proceeded to start this fire, seemingly endless supply of dry fuel on the forest floor and in the canopy, the intense heat. Uh, uh, you hated to yeah, use the cliche. This was a perfect storm. Um, this goes on to say, this article goes on to talk about, uh, the temperatures. Um, let's see, uh, this, this one happened in also near Alberta, Canada. They talk about an abnormally dry April and May, um, a very early spring led to an early drought and early summer. Um, this is coming from the 2000s. If you read an article from 1995, that was uh, this uh, this article here was I think 2014. I have another article up. Um, I don't know if you have these dead leg, but it's uh, from from like 1995 or 1993. Again, the same article. Um, early spring leads to dry fires, um, and this this article is interesting. That was the one that you just had. Go ahead and put that one up there. Um, the one before this one. When you had yeah, that one right there. Uh, this one says like what it caused the Great Alberta Fire. This is one we were just talking about um, in in early two thousands. But uh, again, what does it say? It was a man made, right? Yeah. What does that one say? Yep, man made. But it all talks about early springs and then and if, and I went back and I just started researching these fires, uh, just in great detail and. The funny thing is to say the fires weren't really reported on and recorded on until the 1970s. And so all the fire data that you have for every 10 to 20 years is starting from, from the late 1970s, not even the early 1970s, because that's when satellites could pick up on the fires. And so for them to say that there's a new alarming, you know, that the, the alarming rates of fires are climbing 
right now. They're only climbing since the 70s. But if you look back towards the 1900s on the reported fires and how many acres that they burned down, it actually spikes every 20 or 30 years, but still the largest fire being recorded in 1919. There's also another massive one in the 1890s that just burned on forever. Um, we talk about the use of firefighters and technology. None of that technology is typically used in these big fires. They're, they're, they're left to just burn. As, as long as there's not any humans in their path or towns in their path, they just allow these fires to run this course because that's what they've been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years. Matter of fact, I was reading an article from 2001 that talked about uh, that, that fires have burnt tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres every single year in Canada since the Ice Age. So for Trudeau and the climate control crisis people to get on there and say that the, the climate change and warmer weathers is affecting more and more fires, it's just a bold-faced lie. Also to think that these fires might have been started all at the same time, could have been, could have been, but nearly one-third of the fires in Canada since the beginning of recorded fires in the 70s have been started by lightning strikes. And they have all been left to just burn at their own demise. Now, and this case with all the smoke that hovers over New York, it just so happened that the that those winds caught the jet stream at the perfect time. And there were some perfect winds that were moving over at the perfect time and it left those that smoke to to kind of loom ominously over New York. But to think that, that anything nefarious is going on by the governments creating fires to burn down their own things or create distraction, I think is a little bit of a reach in the whole conspiracy conspiracy thing. But the funny part is is that that uh, that the media did use a fire that happens all the time, and they did use it as as a way to kind of convince you that climate change and climate and get the argument going over climate change. The whole story here is that these traumatic fires that have been killing people have been going on since as early as the Ice Age, and since 1919. And if you want to read the article that I just read, it's a great. It's from a book. Um, and it's a, it's a very long article. It's not really a book, but it's an article kind of written in book, book form. It's about 10 pages long, but it's called The Great Fire of 1919. You can just read that. It's a phenomenal story. Um, Indians um, were, you know, were forced to be uprooted. There were hunters that were caught in this fire. People killed in this fire just rained on and on and on. Again, a firefighter's wet dream. Uh, but it is a, a fire of lies in the media about this fire. Uh, everything from the set, the, the sped up satellite imagery of the fires appearing to start at the, the, the same time. I'll tell you this. It's a 50, 50 shot that lightning started these fires. If you read all of the articles in the news right now, almost every single article starts off of, if you type in what caused the Canadian fire in 2023, It'll say half of fires in Canada are started from lightning strikes. More than half of the lightning strike, more than light, half the fires in Canada are start by lightning strikes. They never answer the question of what started this fire. And that made me go into question. Why is it that every single article starts off with most fires are started by lightning? Why wouldn't they say that half are started by humans? If half are started by lightning, why did they choose to lead with half are started by lightning instead of starting to lead by half are started by human? By the way, everywhere, every year it kind of fluctuates between human set fires and man-made set fires. 
Also, man-made fires are greater in the southern portions than the northern regions, but the northern regions have caught fire and burned tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres almost every single year. Um, but the news is the mainstream media has decided to go with the narrative of lightning strikes, lightning strikes, lightning strikes. And you have to ask yourself why, why did they choose lightning strikes over man-made, um, in this instance? And then we find this little doozy of an article, go ahead and put this up. And I love this article and I know that they are trying to hide it from you. Uh, you have to dig way in the depths. This is the Washington free beacon post, but here's the story. Jo uh, Josh Delegate, would you please read this story? This spawns from the beginning of May when all this fire and mayhem started. And this is what they are trying to cover up by saying half are started by lightning strikes because they do not want you to know this story. So I seen this when it first came out about a month ago because like some people are talking in the chats, this only made big news on the East Coast when the smoke hit the East Coast of New York, like we were just saying. Until it hits New York, then it's not a problem. That fire and those smokes was dealing out here in Colorado for like three weeks before that. I'm going to get it again today. I just got a notification this morning when I woke up that more smoke from that fire is going to hit us today. So if you're listening to this um, recently, uh, two to three weeks from now, you're going to have more of this smoke on the East Coast. So just be forewarned. That's how weather works. But uh, when this came out, I, I laughed at it and I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. But then the fires kept going and they kept going. So what happened, female fires taking part in a women and fire training exchange program intended to promote, quote, mental health and gender diversity inclusion, end quote, accidentally caused an out of control forest fire in Banff National Park. Residents in the surrounding areas were evacuated when several buildings were damaged on May 3rd after a female fire, the female firefighters initiated a prescribed burn that quickly escalated into an uncontrolled blaze. Context. Banff National Park is in Canada, where southern migrants have been fleeing to escape lawless succor of American big cities. So they're saying people <laughs> from the United States are like, we got Mexicans, illegals coming to the United States. We got illegal Americans going to Canada, which I thought was fun, funny. But what they're saying, days before the conference, local news outlets were celebrating the Women's Fire Conference for its efforts to, quote, break down the barriers in a male-dominated industry, end quote. The 12-day training program was described as a, quote, opportunity to engage participants in all different genders, ethnic, and racial backgrounds to explore a growing role of women in fire management. Before I go any further, when I'm underneath of a blanket with 12 other people and we're pouring water on ourselves to make sure that we don't get burned alive, I don't care what the firefighter looks like as long as I get a firefighter. Just letting you know. <laughs> Jane... Jane Park, the female fire management specialist who helped organize the conference, described the group of women who accidentally started the forest fire as, quote, cream of the crop. A former grad school ski bum, Park said the training program was an opportunity for female firefighters to showcase the, quote, value of diversity in order to building allies among men and people who are in the majority. And the way that this is written in this specific article, this is the only one I could find. When I when it first came out, I found a couple articles written on it. The way it's written now, this is written as if you would use this as a fact-checking thing that you would reference this that would be put on Facebook or Instagram. What happened? What's the context? What people are saying? So even in this, giving the context of a, a 12-day women's only firefighting thing started a fire that's now out of control. We want to maybe say it's lightning. 
Dude, I'm telling you, this is why Last Call is so ingenious, because when you have two non-journalists diving super deep down the, the interwebs to try to find the truth and try to ignore all the conspiracy theories, we fall into gems like this that make you laugh. You know, I had no idea that there was a great fire, um, one of the world's largest fires, uh, only to be rivaled, maybe still beating a fire that happened in China that that now spread into modern-day Russia. Um uh, but one of the biggest fires recorded in the history of man was in Canada in this same region. And this, this, this area of land catches on fire every single year. And some years it's 10,000 acres and some years it's a hundred thousand acres. It all depends on the winds, but it seems like since 1919, um, you know, uh, that sometimes we just have years that are different. And I don't know if it has anything to do with climate change or that, that it proves that climate change is a thing, um, that, or that, that climate change is caused by, you know, a diesel truck or, or, uh, you know, trains or whatever. But, you know, uh, it's very interesting when you learn things like this. Now, I, I think it's hilarious that an all-female firefighting ring that's all about inclusivity and, and LGBTQ stuff uh, starts a fire that got out of control, and they pretty much kept that under wraps. Now, that article came out months ago that he just read. That, that came out over a month ago before you guys gave a shit about this fire. So that was before they knew that anybody was going to give a shit. Then all of a sudden the winds shift and New York, you know, all the holier than now New York, that nothing bad should happen to us. Why do we have orange smoke looming above us? Cause that doesn't happen to the rest of the world. It didn't happen to in Florida when the ashes were falling from the sky around my house in Florida or in Colorado, because nothing like that could ever happen in New York. But when it happens, uh, everybody thinks it's a big deal and all of a sudden, we've got to change this narrative because if they find out that an all-women's uh, LGBTQ fire convention started in an out-of-control blaze, we're never going to hear the end of this. And, uh, and they've done a great job. You haven't heard anybody else report on this. We're the first. We're the first. And if you don't believe us, we'll put the link up. We just read you the link. Um, we just read you the source. And I bet you if you start Googling it, um, and I thought it was strange because I was looking at a Wikipedia update and it had been updated recently. And there was a thing that said uh, that kind of like a warning that, you know, due to uh, due to unverifiable facts because of lack of technology, this post has been updated since 2022. And it just all of a sudden goes into climate control and climate effects of lightning when I was trying to read facts about the fire that happened in 1993. So basically, the, the original fire was started by humans, but now they're going back in 2022 trying to make everything about lightning. And, it, and it's just funny how these narratives get painted uh, by mainstream media. Um, so I don't know. I don't believe that it couldn't have been, been lightning strikes. Um, that contributed to these fires because it looks like that hundreds of fires are started every single year by lightning strikes and have since the dawn of time. Um, but also hundreds of those fires that are all connected to each other and they all link up with each other can be started by humans as well. I think it's funny that when it happens in, Ca in California, uh, all the news articles talk about how it's man-made fires, man-made fires, uh, you know, campers start fires, campers start fires, uh, the, you know, the influx of human beings, the influx of people, the influx of agriculture on economy starts the fire. But when it happens in Canada, all of a sudden it can't be man-made. It has to be lightning. It has to be natural. The reason why they don't want it to be man-made is because the men who made it were actually women and they were a lot of gay women. And that doesn't look good for them. You but know, accidents happen. Who cares if gay people started a fire?
Here, I'm going to give the LGBTQ uh, community and the, the the female firefighters and anybody that's listening, I'm going to give you what we call a life hack. You know what happens if you fuck up in life? You go, hey man, I fucked up. Help me not fuck up again and move on. Yeah. Do you, know many, it. do you know how many old dudes firefighting training have letting fires get out of control? It happens all the time. A lot of, all the time. It happens all the time. You know how many times you go on the training range? And somebody uh, sets a fire off on the training range and it burns out of control? Yep. Happens all the time. Um, I've been in plenty of ceasefires for a range fire. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we don't have to lie to the public and go on a whole different narrative just because you don't want to tell people that an all-women's firefighting unit set a blaze that's now putting smoke up. Also, I think there's going to be a lot of implications that they're going to try to come out of this about air quality, air quality control, who gets sued, who gets fined. There's going to be a bunch of policies that come out. Um, almost every time one of these fires come out or, or something like this makes big mainstream media, they use it as an opportunity to make more policies, which, of course, just take more freedoms away from you. Um, you know, They'll use this to talk about urban sprawl. I actually saw one article that was about that uh, it's more people trying to get out of the bigger cities and get into the rural forests that's causing more forest fires. Well, there's not more forest fires. Like, There's not more forest fires. These forest fires happen because it's natural occurrence. Pine makes a certain sap that makes one of the greatest fire starters in the world. Trees fall during big giant storms. They dry, they rot. It makes this fire starter that's amazing. And all it takes is something, cigarette, lightning, something, a piece of friction from a railroad car, whatever, to get just a little ember and these things can go out of control. It's just the fact of life. It's just nature. It's just the nature of the beast, man. So I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that it was anything crazy. I really do think that... Um, you know, unfortunately, I think it was a mixture. Uh, it's the perfect storm, as they call it. Every every ten years, they call it a perfect storm. Cliche, may it not, may it be, but hey, two perfect storms do happen. That's why we have a movie called The Fucking Perfect Storm. And I wouldn't. I'm not going to play devil's advocate all the time for this. But if you're on the other side of the fence and you want to play devil's advocate and you're trying to control this narrative, the my thought process would be that that you go to the why. First thing is you go follow the money. Well, what, what's money involved in this? There's not necessarily something in the beginning. You don't want you don't want to smear the the this training event. That's that's what it is. So in, instead of saying, hey, you know, we doing what I just said. Hey, we screwed up at this training event. You know, got out of control. Da, 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 da. Instead of just falling on the sword, you know, if they fall on the sword, then you could have people on the extreme right go, well, look, every time you have these all, you, we tried this, it didn't work. Well, there's there's times that it does work, and there's times that having females in the fire department, like there there's progressive change that's not necessarily all negative all the time, and then there's progressive change that isn't in a positive direction. Like some of the worst things in our our known history have been started with the greatest intentions. You're absolutely right. Now this leads us on to our next conspiracy theory today on Last Call. Something that everybody's kind of talking about. I, I just see the utters of it on TikTok and things like that. And this is this conspiracy theory about the Trump donor who went down in an airplane. Uh, but when you really dive deeper into this story, eh, not so much a Trump donor. Also, yeah, it's a lot of money, um, uh, two hundred fifty thousand. But when we were talking about the whole Epstein thing, and we were talking about Chase Bank. We were talking about uh, what, what was the one person that, that was like $2.5 million, uh, millions, dollars of dollars. That was, millions of dollars that was funneled back to the uh, Biden campaign. I think it was $13 million in one case, in one instance, 
but from one particular donor, it was 2.5 million. So when you're thinking about these kind of donors that are dropping 2.5 million or funneling a, a fundraiser for 13 million, one person donating 250,000, you know, yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Uh, but it wasn't this person that donated it. It was an adopted daughter who they adopted at 40 years old. Um, and they died in a plane crash and they're, you know, you being a plane expert or, you know, a person who knows a lot about airplanes, you're fascinated, you're enthusiast, you're a hobbyist, you, you like everything, all things planes. You had some really interesting details to point out about this and clear up some of the speculations, which I thought was really cool and interesting. Um, what were some of the things that you noticed about this story that just aren't true or One. make it not a conspiracy theory? One that they're trying to link this with an, another famous plane crash, and uh, they're trying to think, say that there was uh, a decompression in the cabin, and that's what caused this to happen. Well, we're going to debunk that real quick. What happens at, at altitude when you when you lose cabin pressure? The pressure inside the plane becomes low, so it becomes a cloud. It'll instantly, if you have, it'll either if it happens fast, it's very like couple ways that you lose pressurization like a window flies out that's really fast or if there's a hole that the pressure you lose pressure in the pressure system but whether it doesn't matter how you lose pressure if the plane loses pressure you're at altitude and you've lost pressure and you're like altitude you're, you're cold like negative 20 c like it's cold up there so what will happen is the the windows will get glazed over with frost so you can't see in the plane you can't see in the pilot you can't see anything so the the i think it was Payne Stewart uh, I, correct me if i'm wrong uh, but there was another big one that it was because of the cabin got depressurized this one wasn't there's a lot of things and i'll explain that how we get to that in a minute uh, the, one of the big things that came out of this first of all was there was the sonic boom that was heard over DC D.C., Virginia, that that area. And some people like kind of significantly far away were saying that they heard it. Well, air, as you get up in the atmosphere, air is thinner and things move differently at altitude than they do at, at ground level. So sound is one of those things that travel a little bit easier because the air is thinner. So that's why more people heard it because when it happened, it was further up in the atmosphere versus being closer to ground level. Not only that, uh, they're reporting that uh, they were it was intercepted. It was, but it was intercepted by uh, three packs of F-16s. There was three different packs of two flights apiece. So there's six different F-16s that went up, and only one of them broke the sound barrier. So this flight took off at uh, 1.13 local time, and they climbed out on their initial uh, track like they're like they're supposed to. Um, so this was the flight track. So they were flying, flying from Virginia to New York. So the, what just, this little graph here at the bottom is, is uh, the green line is your altitude and your, green, your yellow line is your speed. But the green line is what you want to look at is as it goes up, like there's a little dip right around 20,000 feet where they got an initial climb out and they leveled off and then they got clearance to go to the next altitude and then they got clearance to go up to 34,000 feet. And then they asked to come down to 33,000 feet because of another aircraft. They had a TCAS warning or someone had a TCAS. TCAS is a system in your plane that tells you if there's other planes. It's a, like a way that planes talk to each other. So they asked for a lower altitude and then they ended up getting back up to 34,000 feet. And that's when they lost radio communication. So mm. tw about 
so they wheels up at 113. Last radio contact was at 128 local time. So a little so bit not over long. A little bit over 15 minutes. But this is a this is a Cessna CJ. This is a small uh, private jet. It seats. I think this the, depending on the seating configuration, you can get like six to eight passengers plus your the two people in the cockpit. It's not a huge, huge plane, but it's not wow. like a it's it's not a small plane either. But it's powerful and it's fast, so we can climb and get up to altitude pretty quick. So they had filed to go to 39,000 feet. So what I want you to notice here is when you're looking on the screen is on the bottom of the screen, it says root and it has a bunch of different weird, crazy letters, PSK, GVE, SIE, Briggs, Q439. What those are, those are VORs. Those are waypoints that are being put into the, the flight management system of the, of the plane. And each time you see a deviation in the course, so right after you get out of Virginia, or right over the Virginia, it, it diverts to the right. And then when you get over to the Maryland, it diverts to the left and you get a little bit over the Atlantic, it diverts to the left again. And then you get that big U-turn over by New York. Well, there's two wait, VOR waypoints that are programmed into this plane when it gets to New York, including uh, the ILS for that runway. So the plane after 15 minutes, it gets to 34,000 feet, they lose radio contact. They start uh, to get a hold of NORAD. They start to get a hold of other airports trying to make contact with this. Um, the f first intercept was, or the first uh, notification to NORAD was at 1.51 Eastern time, local time. So that's when they started getting their, their shit together to start scrambling the jets and all that stuff. They had scrambled before the the... The sonic boom in DC went off. There was already jets in the air. They were already going up. They they were. I think they had said that the uh, Dan Greyer, a probable cause, is one of the channels I referenced for this. And Juan Brown, the Blanco area channel, is another channel that I, Dan has a lot of specifics, like way more specifics than I have. So if you want to go back and like get more in depth, he's got a two part. He's got a part one, and then he's got a part two where he comes back in and he explains more to it. So what? The big hoopla and holler is, is, you know, you got this plane that's, you've lost contact. You're not talking, the pilot's not talking with them. So you get these jet, the, these fighter jets uh, scrambled to come up. And what they're going to do is they're going to start to try to contact the plane on its frequency. They're going to try to contact the plane on this frequency. It's 121.5. It's a Unicom uh, frequency. It's like the emergency, like the, if your radio quits working, if you lose track control, if you, if LS fails, default to that. So the the fighter jets get up on the rare on the air, and you can hear them calling. You know, aircraft squawking seventy two seventy five come up on the one twenty two five or one twenty one five. They're trying to make contact with the with the pilot. It's being reported, and this is through some sources through some sources uh, that the fighter jet pilots seen. They could see the the windows. So what that means is there was no depressurization. So the windows weren't frosted over. There was no glaze on the windows. So the the cabin, from all intents and purposes, from that view, the the cabin was pressurized. All the shades in the back were drawn. So this plane was going from uh, Tennessee to New York. So during this flight, it's not uncommon for people to to take a nap. You know, you're on a private jet. My, you know, this is the time when you're doing your business and stuff. So the the lady that was on there, she's you a don't big want anybody business. to see you in the windows while you're back there, becoming part of the Mile High Club. So you yep. shut the shades so they 
or you're the other, ready to throw the other your, people can't see. I'm just kidding. Throw, throw your cocaine out the window. So it, it's not uncommon for the shades to be drawn, and then they could see the pilot, and it was he was quoted as being uh, slumped over. He was in the left seat, and slumped over to the right. So when you're in the in the plane, you've got the left seat and the right seat. The left seat would be the person, the pilot. If you had two people in the cockpit, the left seat would be your, the the person who's ultimately responsible. You, you change responsibilities during the flight, but that's who's ultimately responsible. Um, there wasn't a second pilot. The four so. The, they they get up there. They're trying to intercept this. It's not it's not looking good. So with their a lot of places are reporting that it made a U turn and it flew back over. It's kind of true and not. So if you're looking at the the picture I've got the graphic I've got up on the screen and for the people who listen to the podcast, this is just another overlay of a flight track, and it has that uh, 180 to 180 degree turn towards the airport. Well, that 180 degree turn and the heading that it's set up for is for the heading and information for the runway. The only thing is, is it was at 34,000 feet instead of being down closer to ground level. So when it didn't intercept the runway, it goes into the flight. There's no more program into the computer. So it just goes into flight heading mode and it'll just stay on the same course and heading and speed that was last programmed in. So. If you can see, once it makes that U-turn and overflies that runway, there is no course deviations. There's no more nothing. It is a f- straight line straight to the, the crash. And the fighter jets were with it. Um, it flies for, this is going to be really, really, really hard to read. This is a bunch of numbers. And if you can't read it, don't worry about it. What this basically is, is the third column from the right is the one that I'm paying attention to. And that's feet. That's the altitude. And that shows that it coincides with the radio traffic and what's been reported um, from the air traffic controllers about getting the clearances to go to the different altitudes and at what point did they lose, uh, stopped getting reception from the plane. So the plane keeps flying in this mode until it just runs out of fuel and the right fuel tanks start running out first. So there's no cross fleet or there's no cross bleed Mm -hmm. in in the fuel tanks for this plane. A lot of the, the, a lot of planes, Planes have their fuel tanks and their wings, and they'll sure. have tubes and stuff that'll that'll cross bleed so they can balance them out. But this is a smaller plane. The weight and balance on it's still important, but the, it's an older plane and there's no cross bleed. So the right tanks run out first, so the right engine flames out first. So the left engine keeps power, so it puts it into a right descent, and it goes down fast. Once it starts at descent, it uh, it's reported. Somewhere between 20 and 30,000 feet per minute. Uh, Dan, I think, is the one that talks about it down to 28,000 feet per minute. Uh, that's fast. To give you an idea of how fast you normally descend, so when you're coming out from like a commercial flight, you're going to go somewhere about like 12 to 1,700 feet per minute, not 28,000 feet per minute. Mm-hmm. So this plane was going down fast. So a lot of speculation. So if there's no cab, if you didn't lose cabin pressure, the people in the back would be essentially conscious and awake if they were awake but if they were asleep they would know no difference because you're in the back right, of but the like plane. how long was the flight supposed to be versus how long it actually lasted like wouldn't you be like hey i mean like i know how long a flight lasts like i know i'm supposed to be in the air for two hours so if i've been in the air for three hours i'd be like yo what the fuck but if you've if you're conscious and awake but if you're sleeping right. this is so i want to pronounce her name correctly it's adina I believe is how you pronounce it, A-D-I-N-A, and her last name is A-Z-A-R-I-A-N. And I don't want to pronounce it because I don't want to, to butcher it and, and do her disservice. 
she was 49 years old. Her two and a half year old daughter was also on the plane. Their nanny, uh, E-V-A-D-N-I-E uh, Smith was her last name. She was 56 years old. They referred to her as Nanny V. She was also on the plane. The pilot was Jeff Hefner. He was 69 years old. He had worked for uh, the owner of the plane, and I'll get to that with the Trump donor in a second. He worked for him for five years, but before that, he worked for Southwest Airline, and he accumulated over 25,000 flight hours. Uh, he was married and had three kids, started flying uh, early as a crop duster. So this, this this pilot, he's got his shit together is what, I'm, what we're trying to more or less trying to say. So a lot of the speculation of decap or pressurization or other things, it, it looks – to me, my opinion, like some sort of medical event happened and he lost consciousness or something. So there was happened. only one pilot, there one two. There's only one a lot of these Is that even normal? In, that's you fairly, like a backup. That's fairly common. Because it's it's just it's so expensive. He probably, you have to pay for their time. Probably had their the hours. vaccine. Probably had the vaccine stroked out. Yeah. There, so I'm the, just kidding. I'm just where, kidding. Where a lot of like people are starting to get like the the conspiracy is he was a big big Trump donor. So he he's donated to Trump. He's donated to DeSantis. He's donated to a bunch of Republicans. He's a big two A guy. He said that when he and his wife leave, they're going to leave everything to the NRA. Like he's not quiet about that, but he's not quiet about it. Like when I search his name under like like looking for like whale like the whale donors because there's websites that have like the whale donors and there's lists and databases of this stuff. So when I'm searching his name to try to find who we donated to and how much and when and it's the only one that I can find that he sent two hundred fifty thousand dollars at Trump during his twenty twenty campaign at some point. In a scheme of donors, two hundred fifty thousand dollars sounds like a lot because that's that's a house. Or a down payment to a nice house, two houses, or two houses. So like that's half a house in Colorado. But they like it's it's not a lot of money in the scheme of this guy's. Let me ask you this though. Let me ask you this. I'm having a heart attack, right? Oh, oh, oh! Hey, mayday, mayday, mayday! I'm having a heart attack. You know what I'm saying? I stroke out. Mayday, mayday. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like. I feel like you, you, you have a radio right there. Like if you're having a heart attack, it doesn't take much to key up and make some kind of a noise or like, and I, I would just feel like a pilot would have the wherewithal. I mean, there's been some really crazy incidents where people are able to get maydays out pretty fucking quick. Like I, I find it weird that you would just be like, da, 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 da. you know, you well, know what I mean? Cause if you have a, like heart attacks, like hap, like when heart attacks happen, some of them are instant and they're sudden. There's nothing. You're sure they're they're done. As soon as it started, it's over. Like okay. you're not bringing them back. You're you can do CPR. You can bring out the the defibrillator. You can you can have be in the hospital when it happens, and it doesn't matter. Like if sometimes when the heart quits, it just quits. Other times it like it leads on. You'll get that that feeling in your hand. Or yeah, that but don't pain you think like I mean, like what do you think the odds are? Do you think the odds are that he just had an abrupt, sudden heart attack and just fucking died, being like completely legit and normal flying his airplane? Or do you think he would have gotten the tingling in the hands? I mean, like I don't know. Don't you think a a pilot would kind of let somebody know, like, yo, uh, I'm not feeling so, so guy, hot right now? So when I was, I didn't go too too deep into his too crazy deep in his background. It went a little bit into his background, but he was known for being like a safety guy. Like that's what he was known for at Southwest. A lot of pilots, 
uh, Dan, uh, when he was reporting on it, a lot of people that had reached out to Dan specifically, that they that knew the pilot personally, had they they had nothing but great things to say about him, about his flight experience, about his safety, about how he wouldn't fly an adverse. Like this guy knew what he was doing. So my thought would be is we can we can try to manipulate narratives and say that it was lightning or he's had a medical event. Something happened and he just was done. Yeah, so and, I, I guess I don't know a lot about heart attacks and strokes. Um, James Russell says he's had two strokes and he didn't know it when they happened. Um, so did you like pass out James Russell? Um, did you like go unconscious from these strokes? Were you like in a coma? I'm just trying to, I don't know. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Greg says some people's pains, discomforts, tolerances are different. That actually is a fear of mine because I can tolerate and brush off a good amount of pain or discomfort. Um, I get it. I guess I've just had so many 911 calls where people called 911 and said I'm having a heart attack or, um, well, Keith, can probably explain. Uh, Drew Breezy says it can knock you unconscious. People driving cars crash all the time. Yeah, but people driving cars don't have a radio right in front of their face where they can just talk into a radio. It's like if you're in a cop car, I don't know, maybe you'd be able to like key up your mic because it's right there. It's not like you're having to get a phone out of your pocket or something. Uh, watching Teresa Case is watching someone have an active heart attack. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But Teresa, maybe you know, um, you sound like you might be some kind of a nurse if you're watching people have heart attacks often. I mean, do you think it would be reasonable for them to be able to push one button with their thumb in the midst of this and let go of some kind of noise to let other people know that they're in danger. Um, and so I explained what's what you have in the cockpit for what they could do. The the easiest way to to send out a message to someone to let them know that there's some sort of emergency going on in the plane is you squawk seventy six hundred. So if you you change your squawk code to seventy six hundred, lets the ATC know there's different squat codes to let them know that hey there's something yeah. going on in a plane but if you're having a heart attack you got to think all that blood flow that would be going to your brain is going someplace else your body's going through mm. all this this stuff your brain like your brain can't keep up with what's going on so people you're like fine motor skills your the ability to speak your slurred yeah. speech so like your decision like even if the, like you were aware of it as it's going on I don't know that you that I I would go ahead and I would assume and I'd give the benefit of the doubt that someone would lose the ability to control a, the, the plane because even then like you're gonna turn around to hey I'm having a heart attack and then that's it then you've got a nanny that's from Jamaica this yeah so like under- my my question is is like okay so he has this heart attack right and if it's an abrupt massive heart attack I mean I guess I don't know much about heart attacks do they just pass out slump over or do they like convulse do they like oh oh, and like would they have bumped the controls somehow or like what's the chance that they don't just bury that plane right into the fucking ground i mean i don't you know uh i'll play devil's advocate here i i I get i like you know i know that you came in saying that you don't think it's a conspiracy um you know because you don't think it was the uh depressurization and blah, blah blah but like we don't see this happen very often, do we? Do we see people that just just go unconscious on airplanes and then the plane just kind of does its own thing? I mean, even like the Malaysia flight, I mean, it buried itself straight towards the ground. Um, 
you know, do do planes often people have heart attacks and the plane just flies until it runs out of gas? Is that, there, is that a thing? There was uh, within the last year or so, there was a case in Florida. I can pull it up uh, later for later, where the pilot had a student in the plane and the pilot, the instructor had a medical emergency and the student had to land the plane. And it was quite a few times they've had, this has happened and it's their first time in a plane, first time touching anything. Yeah. And the person that was supposed to be teaching them is now killed over yeah. with a medical emergency, if not dying, you know, beside him. So they are dealing with all this medical emergency plus trying to figure out how to fly a plane that you've never flown before. It's, it's a lot like, so I, yeah, I mean, maybe they should make it a policy that you have to have fucking two pilots so shit like this doesn't happen. So on, you know what so, I mean? So this was a non-commercial flight. This is a private jet. So on commercial flights. And it doesn't have a black box because most private jets don't, they're not required. Yep, yep this one wasn't, this, it, the, the way it was filed, it's not required to, to carry a black box. They don't know if they, some do, but they don't, it wasn't required. But for like commercial airlines, because of that, there's, that's what makes plane crashes so crazy for a lot of people is there's so much redundancy that's built into them. A plane is built to stay in the stay in the air. If you got two yeah. engines, you can fly on one. And even if you don't have any engines, we were just talking beforehand you about a, a cruise. Yeah, a YouTuber that got in trouble for crashing this plane. If you're at thirty four thousand feet and you run out of fuel, if you have positive control of that plane, you can glide for a long time. You've got yeah. thirty forty. You've you've got time. To start formulating a plan, trying to you know to to work things out, so like it it tells me just the way that this kind of like kind of plays out. It seems like it's more like a medical something medical event, a, a quick sudden medical death. Yeah, like uh, Greg in the chat says, attacks when a person drops immediately is when a main artery bursts. I don't know, Greg. I, he might. I don't know if he, he could just be uh, a, a tactical toilet paper dispenser to the front line of America, specializing in. Toilet paper applies, but um, he says, while heavy blockages will leave a person awake and conscious, it makes sense to what he says to me. Someone correct me if he's wrong. Um, but yeah, like a sudden, you know, the chances, the odds of a sudden death like that while flying, it just seems odd to me. I, I mean, I could see where it leaves room for people to speculate on what happened, you know, or why it happened. Or maybe, you know, but I guess shit just does happen. Drew Breezy says they should make the whole plane out of the black box. It's the only thing that makes it. Um, yeah, right? Like, why isn't the whole plane just a black box so it survives? Um, uh, jo Joseph Russo says, even private jets, these things are highly regulated. I work aerospace, and we heard about this day one. I Yeah, I get it, but I've also just read that they're, they don't believe that this one had a black box. They're hoping it did, but because it's not mandatory for private jets to have a black box there and unsure if it has one or not which again just fuels that fire for good conspiracy theories greg says laugh my ass i said i believe it's a preface for me not really knowing what i'm talking about greg don't don't worry dude i say this shit all the time i'm not hating on you um uh, i just like to read stuff with uh context because you gotta remember 99 percent of our people are listening and they have no idea that i'm addressing chats or who these people are in the chats so i, I just don't want anybody to ever accuse us of being like you said uh you know, you claim that this guy on your social media says uh, this, you know. Um, well, anyway, you, we're, we're going we're to get stuff Very odd wrong. stuff. Huh? 
I'll tell you that we're going to get oh, we're going to get wrong. stuff wrong all the time. And listen again, this is just talking points for fun, really. Um, but but I try to give you talking points so you don't sound like a complete dumbass that you have arguments. Uh, real quick, we got to dive into a couple other things before we hang up here. We've got the uh, tr- the the Biden whistleblower. Um, fill me in on this. You've paid more attention to me. From what I understand is that this FBI whistleblower, they can't protect him. And whatever information that they have, they basically admitted yesterday during the Senate hearing that they can't protect this guy. And the information that he has is so damning that we need to protect him about it. That's basically what I got, even though that Senate hearing was boring as shit and I was doing lots of other things while listening to it. What did you gather from the Senate hearing? So it's not like that we're not covering this. It's just there's a lot of parts that they just kind of have to play out to kind of see what happens with it. So this stems back from there was a whistleblower that came out at sometime in 2020 and alleged that uh, Biden was involved with Burisma and money, something that has been widely reported on and speculated on and all this stuff. Right. We've we, known this since the Obama yeah, era, that yeah. era that that Biden was taking money from not only the Chinese, but Ukraine. That story has been told a thousand times. But now in the Senate hearing, they've got 17 tapes and recordings of these deals. One of them where Biden took $5 million and his son took $5 million. And that's, I know, is the big breaking news. But the FBI won't release those documents to anybody. Uh, not Congress, not the House. Because how it's leaded up or how it's led up to the last 72 hours or whatever, you've got the House of Repo- or the House of Representatives Oversight Committee subpoenaed the FBI for this form, this 1023 form. And then for a while, the FBI was stonewalling and saying it didn't exist. And then they said it did exist, but then they couldn't you couldn't see it. Then they said that you could see it, but under specific stuff and we have to redact this and that. So then they did get to see it and they got to receive some redacted stuff. But I guess some people didn't get to see the same versions because some people seen more. And that's what came out yesterday was what was initially put out. They didn't have any of these audio recordings that was on that form. They redacted that stuff. They redacted these audio recordings from the form that they showed the House or the House uh, Oversight Committee. So now they're in with Senate and Senate's grilling them. And senators are asking the same damn questions that the, the House did, and they don't have the answers for it. Not only that, we've uncovered that this form, that they hid more information after they were told that they have to bring this out. So yesterday in an exchange, the one of the senators asked, is this form classified? And the FBI said no. They said, well, why aren't you telling the American public? Well, we told the House Oversight Committee. He's like, well, no, this isn't the House Oversight Committee. This is Senate. He goes, well, we're, we will work with the senators to get to make sure that you guys see it. Like, well, we represent the American people. So why can the American people not see this unclassified document that for sure has the receipts for the sitting president, then vice president, for taking a bribe for $5 million for him and a $5 million for his son, put his son on this board. So the gist of all of what that's going on and why that is important with the Trump Trump declassified all of the crossfire investigation. So this is what this investigation was supposed to be doing. This crossfire investigation was supposed to be investigating this. Trump declassified that information and took it with him. So he took the evidence of the corruption with him. Then the FBI came down to Mar-a-Lago and raided him and took this evidence back. Then they charged him. So you have a former sitting president being charged with issues with with classified and, and documents and all this stuff. Meanwhile, the actual sitting president is using the FBI and its resources 
to subvert the government, subvert <laughs> the will of the American people and undermining the Constitution of the United States by willfully, for whatever reason, just we're not going to give this information out. We're not going to tell you what's really going on. Not only that, we're not going to investigate stuff that we have the receipts for, but we're going to speculate on stuff and trump up 30-some charges for, for Trump. Bizarro times that we live in. It's a clown world. What was the uh, the the part of the, the testimony where the Senate says, like, who are you accountable to? If you're not accountable to the Senate and you're not accounted to, uh, you're not accountable to the House, who are you accountable to? Like, you, if you're saying that, that we don't have the authority to tell you to give us this paper and the house doesn't have the authority to tell you to give us this information. Then who are you accountable to FBI? Like who, who is your overseeing boss? If we're not, I don't remember voting on the FBI employment for people in the FBI. I didn't vote anybody into the FBI. I can't vote anybody out of the FBI, but yet the people of the FBI are making decisions to subvert the government. So like we, yeah, it's wild. I, it's almost as if the FBI runs the runs the whole the, damn thing. Like we were talking yesterday, and I watched two videos from two separate, completely different sources this morning before we went live, and we started talking this morning. And both of those, both of those, independently of themselves, said the same thing I told you yesterday. At what point is the American people going to say well, we have had enough of this bullshit? At what point is the FBI not going to wish Falconator's daughter a very happy birthday today? I haven't seen the FBI come out one time with a happy birthday to Falconator's daughter. Um, I think it's her daughter. Yeah, uh, little, that's her birthday. Carrie. How how old? How old is this kid? Oh, I didn't get that. I got the name, and I got that it was today. What's the name? What's the what's uh, the birth name? Little Carrie. Luke. No, Carrie. 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 Oh, Carrie. Uh, well, I didn't see the FBI come out with a happy birthday to Carrie, and that that disappoints me. That makes me upset. Uh, by the way. Um, Falconator has super chatted us in the past. She's also been a paid member and that's why her daughter gets a very special shout out. So if you guys want special shout outs, I mean, yeah, throw us a bone, become a paid member, uh, maybe leave us a super chat or something. And then you can hit me up on the side and tell us, uh, that you want a shout out. Greg says, by the way, I know you were joking, Tansy. It's all good. Fuck you, Greg. I'm never joking. Everything I say is a complete serious and, um, you know, you can go to hell. Um, I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, Luke Perry, Lumber Chef says, uh, thank you guys all so much for being in the live chats, by the way. Greg, Tactical Dude, Falconator, uh, Bosco Autry, uh, Joseph Russo. Bosco's got a, got a cool little podcast out um, right now. By the way, if you guys haven't joined the Patreon, I encourage you to do so. Um, that last interview I did with Mr. Ajang Tan uh, from Outside the Wire Counterterrorism Detective, uh, in Los Angeles and then in Iraq. Phenomenal story. Dad was murdered while he was in the police academy, while his dad was on duty. Just a crazy story this guy has, and it was a fun interview. Check out his book called Outside the Wire. Um, very cool book. Uh, can't wait for my, my copy to come in the mail. Um, I've only read parts of this book uh, just in studying it for the show, so I wasn't completely blindsided. Um, really fun stuff. Very Jack Carr in style, um, but really cool written, written by a really cool dude. And so I know that a lot of you guys, when you're in the hospital shifts or, you know, you're, you're sitting in the car while your rookie is typing, you guys like to read books. This might be one to add to your list. It's called Outside 
The Wire. As for myself and uh, Gia Deadleg, almost called you by your government name. Uh, thank you guys so much, Teresa Kay, uh, Drew Breezy, all the folks at James Russell for being in the Lumber Chef, for being in the live chats and being paid members. Until next time, guys, guns up and giddy up. See you tomorrow for Com Center.